It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to another Be The People show. Communist China is a powerful nation, an enemy of the U.S. that leads the world in its human rights violations. Its citizens, as we know, have a well-founded fear of state-initiated deaths and persecutions. They face limitations on the number of births, resulting in forced sterilizations and abortions. In this episode, I interview Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie is a person who has studied this issue intimately. Reggie is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, and this is an international coalition to expose and oppose forced abortion, gendercide, and sexual slavery in China. And Reggie is going to update us about a little bit about what has taken place in the past and what has taken place today and her extraordinary ministry uh, to the women and people of China. And so Reggie, my friend, welcome to the Be The People show. Thank you so much, Carol. It's just a pleasure to be here. So Reggie, you got started with the issue of China many years ago. Uh, Tell our listeners about that graphic moment that you realized that this was the call on your life. You had to do something about it. And I understand, and especially from the photographs of you with Mother Teresa, that you were a pretty young woman when you got started. Not that you're old now, but, you know, (laughs) you were younger. (laughs) Well, that's true, Carol. I I had the privilege of working with Mother Teresa in the 1988 time frame. Of course, I was only 10 years old. (laughs) Oh, yes, I could tell from the photos. That's right. I mean, I so... She has a home, or she, you know, obviously she's passed away, but the, the home still exists. It's called Shisha Bhavan, and it is a home for abandoned babies, and all the babies, basically, are girls. Uh, and she started that home when she found an abandoned baby in a trash can. And since that time, I have wanted to help baby girls. Now, that was India. Regarding China, I was an attorney. I'm a graduate of Yale Law School. I was a litigator in San Francisco. Um, and I had understood that China had a one child policy, but I never stopped to think how it was enforced until I represented a Chinese refugee in her case for political asylum in the United States. And she had been forcibly sterilized, meaning that she had been literally dragged out of her home, screaming, crying, kicking, begging, pleading, and, and, and held down to a table cut open, had her fallopian tubes tied, all without anesthesia. And when she, when they were done with her, she had a massive infection and she had chronic back pain, abdominal pain, and migraines, I believe for the rest of her life, because that happened about 15 years before I met her. I represented her political asylum and she still had those problems. So it ruined her health. And that was when I found out that the one-child policy is not voluntary, which is what the Chinese government wants everybody to believe, um, but it's enforced through forced abortion, 
forced sterilization and even infanticide. And that is true of the two-child policy as well. Now, Reggie, what year was this roughly? This, my, I represented that refugee in the mid-90s. Well, I can tell you uh, from films that I've shown to my students about uh, China that men are also sterilized. Uh, one of the uh, persons that they depicted in this documentary, he was deported from the U.S. And uh, he, when he was returned back against his will, the first thing they did was sterilize him. It's true that men are sometimes sterilized. It's pretty rare. Maybe 1% of the sterilizations in China are um, for, of men. Uh, and, and one of the things that people don't realize is that men also were very, are very, very heavily persecuted in connection with the one-child and two-child policy. Like I know a man who's, I don't know him, but I, I have a photograph of a man whose wife had a second child um, and the police came in and beat him over the head and, and, he, and was, he's permanently disabled because, because his wife had a second child. So and men this also are victims. Yeah, in this particular case, you know, maybe he had an enhanced punishment because he had fled China uh, as a, you know, he smuggled himself into the United States, was caught and deported. And when he arrived home, part of the punishment, I guess, was to be sterilized. Yeah, that's not possible. It sounds like something the Chinese Communist Party would do. Uh, and so there are other uh, graphic experiences that you've had with uh, the Chinese when it comes to the uh, gender side. And as I was watching one of your videos, it made me think of Moses, because when I saw the video, I was thinking that you were going to find this live baby girl in a basket and she was going to be rescued and live happily ever after. But that's not what we saw in that video. Well, people, so what, I want to back up for a sec. We, we are the only organization in the world that has a network on the ground inside of communist China that is actively saving baby girls and abandoned widows. And people sometimes ask me, you know, how can I, how can I adopt one of these girls? And so that's not how we work. We, we, the, the, the baby girls that are found in baskets end up in, in orphanages if they're lucky. Um, but what, what we do is we keep the baby with her mother. So gendercide is not something that is, is done by the government. It's done by the culture, by the families where they prefer boys. And so, um, especially second daughters, you know, under the two-child policy, if the first child is a girl, many couples will just say, okay, we've got a girl, the next one has got to be a boy, and they will just keep aborting and aborting and aborting until they get that boy on the second child. Well, let me ask you this, Reggie. Uh, have you ever had any handicapped boys uh, turned in uh, to your agency? We, we don't have an agency. We have a secret network and people don't turn in children. What we do is we, no, so the answer I mean, that, that people find children, right? They find abandoned children, right? Okay. Am I? No. Um, so we are, uh, what we do is we f identify women who are being pressured by their in-laws and their husbands to abort or to abandon their baby girls just because they're girls. So we, 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 we don't have the capacity. I mean, I'd love to, if we had, you know, um, you know, the resources, we could find abandoned children and, and create an orphanage. But, but the problem is, you, you know, what we do is under the radar screen, it's very secret in China. And so we're able to convince women and give them a monthly stipend to enable, empower them to keep their daughters in spite of family pressure 
but we can't like pick up a baby off of the street and take it to an orphanage because if we had an orphanage, we would be discovered. And if we were discovered, they would end what we're doing in China. So it's not really possible. Well, your face is very recognizable. Uh, are you able to go to China and visit? No. Or, I mean, or is there a bounty on your head? <laughs> I have no doubt that there's a bounty on my head, you know, from the Chinese government. So the Chinese government is getting ever more repressive and they deny that they forcibly abort and sterilize women. I document it. So what I do would be considered to be a state secret in China. And the nicest thing that they would do would be put me on a plane and, and, and send me back. But anything could happen to me in China. So I do not go there. But I have a network that is Chinese nationals. They're not Americans. They're, they're people from the villages that are the network. Um, and if I were to go to the villages, then it's like, what is this person from the United States doing in these villages? It would be really, um, it would blow the cover of my network. So it right. would be counterproductive for me to go there. Okay. Well, Reggie, we are going to take a brief break. And when we return, we continue this uh, fascinating educational conversation because I thought I knew more about China's policies than I actually do. And so you're educating me along with all of our listeners. Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. For the war on America's cities and claims of racism in the ranks of law enforcement have spirited a renewed debate on racial equality. It was Alexis de Tocqueville who reminded us, Americans are so enamored of equality, they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. To which I say, be warned of the shiny object, America. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. with my guest, uh, Reggie Littlejohn, and we're talking about China and uh, its policies towards uh, baby girls. Uh, Reggie, uh, tell us about just how this policy that China has, now you're saying it's the two-child limit, whether we're talking about one child or two uh, children, we know that if they're girls, uh, they have an unfortunate fate. How has this impacted the demographics of China? Well, okay, the, the demographics of China have been, have been impacted in ways that are absolutely catastrophic. So the one-child policy and the two-child policy are government policies that require either the paying of, of impossible fines or forced abortion for third children and also for the children of unmarried women. The rule is every couple is allowed to have two children. And the Chinese Communist Party boasts that it has, um, that they have prevented 
400 million lives, 400 million lives through the one child policy. That number is greater than the entire population of the United States and Canada combined. So the demographic impact of that is that um, they have a very rapidly aging population. I have very few young people, they have a lot of elderly and they have no way really to take care of the elderly. Um, so senior suicide is skyrocketing in China. It's Reggie, not, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. Uh, I read some years ago that they had a shortage of brides for available men and that men either, um, in some cases, I don't know if this is true, that they either kidnapped women from other countries or they had to get their brides from elsewhere because there are far more men than women. Right. So that's the other demographic impact, which is the gender imbalance that people, if they, you know, they, if they're going to have one kid, they want it to be a boy, or if they're going to have two children, they want one of them to be a boy, which means that second daughters are often, you know, abandoned or aborted. And what that has led to is that there are approximately 70, no, excuse me, 37 million more men living in China than women, which is driving human trafficking and sexual slavery within China and from surrounding countries. So I read a, an account recently of a woman, I believe she was from Myanmar, who was, um, she was like seduced by her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law lied to her and said, look, I'm going to get you this really great job and you'll make a lot of money as a cook in China and, um, and brought her to China. And she was a forced bride. She was put into, you know, like in chains in a, in a, in a closet. And this man, her quote unquote husband, uh, brought her food and raped her every time that he, that he gave her food. So she, she got pregnant. She gave birth to a baby boy and she said she wanted to go back. And he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you from going back, but you can't take my baby. And, um, and she just, she through luck and, and just determination, she was able to escape with her son and was now like hiding in Myanmar in, in terrible fear that the Chinese, that, that this family is going to come and find her. That's um, a yeah. horrible story. Yeah. So this is what's going on routinely in China. And, um, and, and then there's the whole issue of the Uyghurs in Xinjiang, where the Chinese government is, is committing genocide, in my opinion. I mean, that, you know, the definition of genocide is just killing people with the intent to destroy you know, a, a population based on race or religion. Are these the Muslims that are being persecuted? Right. So these are the Uyghurs and, and they are mostly Muslim and China wants, is, is in my opinion, committing genocide against them by forcibly aborting the women by, you know, by actually committing infanticide um, and forced sterilizations. There, you know, th- there was a report that came out of people who had escaped uh, Xinjiang where they talked about um, this one woman that, uh, they they interrogated her and they kicked her so many times in in the womb that she was sterilized and she continues to just bleed through her womb. Um, every woman that is given a pregnancy test, and if she's pregnant when she gets to the camp, she's forcibly aborted, according to one account. Um, and then there are some doctors that came out. This is a Radio Free Asia um, uh, report that came out within the last month. Doctors who have left Xinjiang who, who report that they were required to kill. Um, Uyghur babies who were third children or who were otherwise um, not in 
they were not in compliance with the two-child policy. So in the two-child policy, you're required to wait at least three years between children. And so if you get pregnant within that three-year window, maybe give birth before that, that three-year window is over, they would have to kill that baby. They would kill the babies. And this is going on now. After the babies are born. Yes, this is what I'm saying, is that, 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 that one of these doctors said that she saw, or even was required, that a full-term baby, if it was born out of plan, that they would have to kill the baby. Now, Reg, Reggie, do you know how long this has been the uh, situation in China? And we go back to Richard Nixon. He was the one, I believe, that normalized uh, relationships with communist China. And we've had many Democrat and Republican administrations. Has it always been like this in China or has it worsened? And then how could the United States as a country based on Judeo-Christian values and principles cooperate uh, with such great evil? Well, the one-child policy has had its ups and downs in terms of the severity of the um, uh, of the enforcement of it. And not only that, but it's, it's enforced in, in uh, different severity in different areas of China. But I'll tell you what, even at the height of the one-child policy, which is probably the 1980s, that's going on in Xinjiang right now. So you can't say it's gotten any better because they're still doing it right now um, in, in Xinjiang. And in terms of, of, of the different um, administrations, my first, uh, my, my, my very first press release was called You Are Funding Forced Abortions in China. Um, and and that, that was about the United States funding of the United Nations Family Planning Fund, the UNFPA, um, which is against the Kemp Casting Act, which says that we can't be funding coercive population control. And Republican administrations, including President Trump, I think it was his first day in office or very soon after he got into office, he immediately stopped funding the UNFPA because of complicity with forced abortion in China and Democratic um, administrations have funded it, including the Obama-Biden administration. Um, and I think that their argument is, well, we don't directly fund the abortions. But that's ridiculous because it doesn't matter whether you're funding the procedure or whether you're paying the salary of the doctor or paying the rent of the abortion clinic or, or buying the ultrasound machines. Money is fungible. If you, if you are funding a machine, supporting a machine that is forcibly aborting babies, in my opinion, you are complicit. Well, you're absolutely right. And we play games with it because we play that same game with Planned Parenthood. We pretend that we're not subsidizing abortions and we are. And I think that those in environmental enthusiasts, enthusiasts in the United States, that they want population reduction by any means possible. So they don't have a problem with the killing of unborn or born human beings. That's where we are. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Carol, because when I started out Women's Rights Without Frontiers, I thought that I was going to be able to build a co coalition of pro-life and pro-choice people to fight forced abortion because forced abortion is not a choice, right? And the pro-life community just embraced my work and continues to embrace my work. And the pro-choice community continues to ignore my work. You know, they just, they will not get on board in opposing forced abortion in China. So what does that mean? Are they really pro-choice or are they pro-population pro control? And they don't care how it's done, even if it's done through coercion. Well, Reggie, I know that you have met with members of Congress. Have you sat down with some of those Democrat pro-choice, pro-women 
feminists and talked with them about the situation? Uh, well, okay, put it this way. I have spoken probably a dozen, more probably more than a dozen times at the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, which is mostly pro-choice feminists. And I actually was invited to brief the Obama White House on coercive population control in China. And I think that people who are genuinely pro-choice are horrified by this. But I think that the leadership of Planned Parenthood and some of these other, like Marie Stokes, are not genuinely pro-choice. I think that they are pro-population control. And they, then they won't talk to me for sure. Well, that is such great evil that you describe. Are there any other statistics that we need to be familiar with to be informed on this issue? And I'm still interested in, you know, the U.S. and what we're doing to either facilitate your work or to hamper your work. And, and before the interview concludes, I give you time to talk with our listeners about things they can do. Well, I would say that... Um, that the U.S. government has been actually pretty supportive of, of my work. Um, so Congressman Chris Smith has invited me I, to speak in, in congressional hearings eight times. Um, Senator Ted Cruz uh, mentioned me specifically and, uh, and my work from the Senate floor. And the United States has taken the lead in the world in opposing China in its uh, human rights atrocities against the Uyghurs. So, Democrats and Republicans alike voted to pass the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act condemning China on, on that, that policy. When was that act passed? It was a couple months ago. It's, it's, well, that is good news. It, it's good news. And, and the rest of the world needs to follow suit. You know, the, I, the entire world should be speaking out against this. Um, something that the U.S. could do in addition to that is to issue an, an official atrocity de uh, determination. So Secretary of State Pompeo has the ability to, to say, these are crimes against humanity. These are acts of genocide. Um, and the impact of that would be just to build the moral force and the political will around the world to end these, these, these horrible, horrible things. Um, another thing that I think that should happen, just from a policy um, perspective, is did you know that the Olympics is scheduled to be in Beijing again in, in 2022? I did not know that, but I know that a lot of our uh, sports players have unhealthy relationships with China and they uh, claim to care about Black Lives Mattering and all of these things, and yet they support China. Uh, do you think that comes out of ignorance or have they just sold out? I don't think it's ignorant. So these guys are very smart. I think that they're sold out. I mean, you know, Chinese kind of, China is a huge market for American sports teams. And they have a lot of money, which they've gotten from us. Okay. So they're using our own money against us. And I just think that these, that these teams are, you know, where somebody says, I support freedom in Hong Kong. And then, you know, they get fired and you now they have to be apologize and all this other stuff is, 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 has to, is a business decision, you know, uh, Richard, we are going to take another break. And when we return, I'd like for you to talk about more of what we can do to help your work and also how people can get in contact with you. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, 
thesoulofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, uh, Reggie Littlejohn, and she is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, an international organization that's saving lives. So, Reggie, talk with us about your Save a Girl campaign and your Save a Widow campaign. Well, Carol, of course, these are my favorite subjects because when I feel overwhelmed by the atrocities that are being committed by the Chinese Communist Party, I can open my, you know, a book and just look at the faces of the girls that we're saving. So I mentioned before in the interview that um, women are often pressured to abort or abandon their babies just because we are girls. And we are the only organization in the world that has a network on the ground that's able to save these girls. We go to the woman's door, we say, congratulations on your baby girl. Girls are as good as boys. And we will give you a monthly stipend for a, a year at, to empower you to keep your daughter. And we have saved hundreds of baby girls in the Chinese countryside this way because the young the mother can go back to her husband she can go back to her in-laws and say i can't abort i can't abandon this baby girl she's a lucky girl look she's already bringing money into the family and so you know these uh, a lot of these girls are still with their mothers or they're or even just alive because of our work and the the stipend is 25 dollars a month in in, in yuan and if it, if people want to support that i mean we this is the only way you go on the women's rights without frontiers website and um there's you know a button saying save a girl you you press that and you can support this campaign it's the only way that you can actually get your donation directly into the hands of a mother who's struggling to keep her daughter and 25 dollars a month in chinese currency how much a difference would that make for someone living on the countryside it's, it's a lot of money for somebody in the countryside uh it, it's enough to save the life of the girl and then the same network that was saving or that is saving girls found saw abandoned widows um, in the countryside, and China, as I mentioned, that, that their senior suicide rate has skyrocketed 500 percent in the last 20 years because of the decimation of the family structure from the one-child policy. Because traditionally, elders were venerated, um, and there would be a large extended family to support an elderly couple or a widow, and now they don't have anybody um, to support them, so they're killing themselves. And we can go to their doors and say, you know, you are a human being created in the image of God, and we're here to help you, and we give them $25 a month, which for some of them, you know, it enables them to eat every day, or to have heat in their little incredibly cold room during the winter. Um, and just to know that even though their own family has abandoned them, people from the other side of the world care about them enough to come to their door and support them. Uh, Reggie, I know you're a devout Christian and you're serving many uh, people that uh, may not know Christ. Uh, how is Christ advanced in these interactions? That's a, that's a good question. So we are, are, are a 501c3 public benefit um, nonprofit. So we did not register as a religious organization. However, our network in China are committed Christians, which is why they are willing to take the risk that they're taking to get these stipends to these widows and these, and these babies. 
Uh, and so they, they, they will talk about Jesus. You know, the Chinese Communist Party says that, that, that speaking about Jesus outside of a church is illegal. We, we're not going to impose that on them. We're, we're going to tell them, you, you feel that you want to share your faith. We're not going to stop you. And they are, you know, so a lot of people are coming to faith through, um, through our work. So, for example, the Chinese Communist Party has been giving, like, small survival stipends to elderly since 2018. Um, not enough for them to actually survive, but it's something. And they have started, in 2019, they started requiring elderly to renounce their faith in order to receive these stipends. Any kind of faith or just Christianity? Well, any kind of faith, but the ones I know about is Christianity. So what they're doing is, like, there's this one woman, I think she was from Fujian or Fujian province, but anyway, they, were, they, they said to her, you need to remove all the images of Jesus out of your house. And she refused to do that, so she lost the stipend. And so, but but in our area, you know, obviously we don't require anybody to renounce their faith. We 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 support their faith and make sure that they you know that they get a stipend so that they can eat. Um, so that's that's kind of and, and we have you know people who never really heard of Jesus or maybe heard of him but didn't take him very seriously. When our field workers come to them. Um, and, and are so filled with the love of God, it brings a lot of people to the Lord. I can believe that would be the case. And so I really applaud you for the uh, ministry part of what you're doing. And I quite understand what you're saying. Uh, with my 501c3, uh, it's an educational organization, but it's also very much ministering to the revealed needs of the American people as God has revealed it to me. Uh, so it serves a dual purpose. And so I understand what you're doing and I applaud it. And I think that our listeners will be so edified by the interview we've had today. Well, I really applaud everything you're doing, Carol. And I just, um, it's an honor to be on this program with you. So God bless you. And in the time that we have remaining, I'd like for you to tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you uh, to support your organization. And as always, I will post uh, the, the description of the show, uh, your Save a Girl, Save a Widow videos and other information. But you can also tell uh, listeners where they can get in touch with you. Okay, so my thank you for asking. My website is womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. That's womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. And, uh, to, and one of the things you can do is on September 25th, it's the, it's the 40th anniversary of the one child policy. I would like people to sign a petition against forced abortion in China. And you can just see on the top menu bar, it says petition. Just click there, sign that petition because um, we want, want to, uh, to give that to the Chinese consulate. Um, it's saying you know, people, people hate forced abortion. You've got to stop this. And then if you want to support the or learn more about the, um, the Save a Girl campaign, the Save a Widow campaign, there's these two big red buttons on the right-hand side of the home screen of womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org, and you just click on one of them, and, you will, and, and information about those campaigns will come up, including a video. I mean, I have a video about the Save a Girl campaign and a video about the Save a Widow campaign where you can see the actual faces of some of the babies and some of the widows that we are saving. So, Reggie, thank you so much, and uh, we will be following your work closely, and this show will air before September 25th, 
And so the listeners will get an opportunity to go to the website. And if you're listening to Be The People by radio, you can always go to my website, bethepeoplenews.com or the America Out Loud Network and listen to the video uh, again and be sure to share the video. And as always, remember, it's up to us, the we the people, mentioned in the preamble of the Constitution, to be the people who change our nation and our world. And in today's program, we're asking you to change our world. Until next time.